Welcome to Data Driven Recruiting. In this podcast, we talk about strategies and techniques for leveraging objective talent data to improve hiring processes. Welcome back to the Data Driven Recruiting Podcast. I'm Sophia Beck, and I'm joined by my co host, Tigran Sloyan. Hello. Today, we'll talk about where and when to introduce assessment in your hiring process. Awesome, yeah, and I'm excited to talk about this topic because last time we discussed how like, putting an assessment at the very top of the funnel can really help you increase that top of the funnel. But what we didn't touch on is that is that like you know, the only place you introduce assessments or is there more to it? So I wanted to like dive deeper into that topic. Yeah, so share the best practice that you've seen in the industry, how we can actually design the whole process mm-hmm. with assessments in there. Exactly. So I think uh, when you think about assessments and when you think about measuring skills, it's literally like a multi-stage process. Uh, on the one hand, you do want to put assessments at the very top of the funnel. But on the other hand, if you try to front load the whole thing, right, where you're trying to get everything that you're trying to measure at the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. you're just going to make it a you know, very difficult and cumbersome candidate experience by making your assessments too long and by potentially uh, getting some false negatives. So does that mean uh, by if you front load everything in a very heavy assessment at the top, um, you might kind of see candidates not taking and completing the assessment? Is sure, that also... and that's, that's part of it. I think there is, I guess, the, if you, to give you an example, like let's say we're hiring an engineer, right? Let's say I'm hiring a uh, React engineer. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, what I would, if, and if the listeners don't know what React is, it's one of the most popular uh, front-end development frameworks. So if I'm hiring a React engineer, probably the skill sets that I'm interested in the most is like I want them to know JavaScript, I want them to know React, I want them to understand web development. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I try to measure all of that at the top of the funnel, right, that I would have to make a really long test. So if I want to pack like an assessment for React, an assessment for JavaScript, probably an assessment for HTML and CSS, probably some other things, like it's going to be a very long and difficult test. Mm-hmm. And one. Uh, the candidate is going to think, well, I just started this conversation with you, right? Why are you, like, throwing this much stuff at me while I'm not even committed to, like, or might be not too excited about working at your company? And two is, uh, in a lot of cases, you see that, you know, I might be a great JavaScript engineer and I could pick up React really quickly if given Mm -hmm. the chance, but you would not be able to understand that if you're just doing an automated assessment at the very top and you're trying to judge me based on my React skills. Got it. So what we recommend to our clients is that if you're doing it at the very top of the funnel, you keep it generic, right? So like uh, in this specific case, I would say, hey, do a core JavaScript assessment. Just make sure they know JavaScript Mm -hmm. and then you know it's worth your time to engage in like farther discussions and farther processes, and you can measure the rest and be more specific and targeted later in the process. I see. So start with something that's very fundamental, exactly. bottom line, exactly. so that you pass kind of a one step, and then as you go, you customize based on what the particular candidate is about and then what this particular job is about, and you kind of make it more uh, in-depth. Exactly. Okay. So like I guess the second sort of layer from there is that let's say someone went through your initial assessments, you went beyond resumes, you didn't judge them based on their keywords and mm-hmm. schools that you see on their resume, and you've identified that 
you know, they have the core skills that you're interested in, the high-level core skills that you're interested in, mm -hmm. and then you move them to the next stage of the process. Usually the next stage of the process would involve either like a phone interview, uh, if, it's a, if it's an engineering role, it would be like a technical phone interview with an engineer, and I'm talking about the assessment steps, right? There's other steps in the process, like a recruiter getting on the phone, pitching the role, getting them excited, mm. maybe a hiring manager talking to them for a personality check. But I'm just focusing on like all the layers of where do you measure talent mm -hmm. and what does that look like? So yeah. the second layer is usually when, you know, this person has the basics, you know, they have kind of a fundamental understanding of the skills that matter for this role. Uh, this is where you can get more targeted. You can mm -hmm. potentially make the assessment piece a little bit longer because by now you know this person is more interested, more committed to making this relationship work. Yeah. And it's either it's usually either a phone interview in which I can just hop on the call and like ask you specific questions, dig into things. If I'm trying to measure your reactability, even if you don't know React, I could give you like a basic React question and say, hey. Can you Google your way into figuring this out and actually get to measure your ability to like learn on the spot while having all the fundamentals, right? Uh, if it's an automated test, which is again like a pretty good option if your recruiting volume is high enough where you can't just get phone interviews scheduled, uh, you can still customize it to your needs, right? So like you could throw in a React question into that test. Mm -hmm. You could uh, add more details to it. You can make the questions. Uh, always the same. So instead of like just a generic standardized test that you do at the top of the funnel, mm -hmm. you could, you know, spend some time into tweaking the test and balancing it to be really related to the job that you're hiring for, and thus get a better measurement. Because the next step from there is going to be like, hey, I'm going to bring somebody on site, mm -hmm. and when somebody comes on site, you're going to be spending several hours. So it's like a much bigger commitment from you. Right. Uh, but again, even in that middle stage, you mm -hmm. don't want to try to get every single thing that you're hoping to get, because again, you're going to end up with either missing something where like, because usually, for example, it's one person evaluating, right, yeah. in the middle. Uh, if that person tries to measure everything, they might also introduce some biases into that evaluation, or maybe they're not an expert at a certain area. So like, you definitely want to leave that the last touches of the skills that you're trying to measure mm -hmm. to the on-site stage while being sure, even more sure that this person by now mm -hmm. has like most of the technical skills that you're looking for. I see. So it's a, if we use an analogy, it's almost like, you know, hiring and interviewing is a relationship building. Exactly. So it's more like, you know, you get to know on a first date, like, are you, you know, in approximately in the right place, are we all fit? Right. And then you go to the you know second date, right. and then ask more serious questions. Right. <laughs> the Don't push it too hard. Yeah. Right. It's like, Don't ask like, are you interested in having kids? Yeah, like, on the first, on the first day. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Got it. Yeah. For sure. And I think when it comes to you know getting to that last stage when you're doing an onsite, it's kind of like this layered process when you go mm -hmm. layer by layer. The closer you get to the inner layers, the more sure you are this person is a fit the more excited they are. So you can also expand the time commitment and the requirements from the candidate mm -hmm. to go through all of your assessments, right? So like yeah. it's something to keep in mind. In a similar way to continue on your analogy, like you wouldn't ask someone to, to do the first date is like, let's just go on a trip together. It's just too big of a commitment. What if I'm not into this whole relationship, right? Why yeah. are you asking me to go on a trip? Or is that even a, 
a serial killer. You never know. So right. you, know <laughs> you have to know each other before you do. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, so I like the whole kind of uh, the design, thinking about the whole process, and mm -hmm. then making sure that your assessments are also different, and you're measuring different things mm -hmm. that are more appropriate for different stages. Right. Um, and I think that's a you know very thoughtful process. But for the on-site. Right portion where it's a several hours and mm -hmm. you have multiple interviewer mm -hmm. how would you kind of a design that particular assessment like what goes in how do you make sure you are measuring uh, various different skills and how do you make sure also the interviewers know what they're supposed to measure in their own interview yeah and this is where it's very important to realize that you still got to be data driven like you can't be mm -hmm. like oh well we'll just go off of our like what our interviewers thought right like that's what people usually say like we'll just bring them in we'll mm -hmm. throw some interviewers at them and then we'll just get together see what everybody thinks again that's a good idea but you can still apply structure to it you mm -hmm. can be a lot more organized and systematic about how you do that and uh, a lot more like facts oriented rather than gut feeling oriented. To give you an example, like for engineering interviews, obviously we know more about engineering and technical mm -hmm. assessments than anything, so I like to use that as examples, but a lot of these apply to other types of interviews. Uh, for engineering interviews, companies who don't excel at being very strategic and systematic and data oriented when it comes to on-sites, uh, everybody gets to choose their own questions. So like, hey, we're interviewing this developer for like a similar job that you have, or they maybe even give them the job description. Say, here's what the job is, go come up with questions you want to ask. Right. So what ends up happening is everybody asks a different set of questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like every time you go in, depending on how much you like that person on the first side, you like pick one of those questions that it's, you either want to go easy or you want to go hard, which makes it a complete inconsistency across the process. Yeah. And then uh, they would use like a whiteboard interview. So like they would say, hey, here's a whiteboard. We're going to write some code on it, mm -hmm. which introduces this, its own set of complications. One is you're not capturing any of core like information that's going on in this interview. So whatever they do is just left and erased on the whiteboard. Uh, and there's I, no record to go back to if you don't quite recall what exactly happened during it. Or if you reconsider that candidate in the future, like mm -hmm. you have no idea what the hell happened. All you have to go by is the notes of the interviewer. And some interviewers are not very good at writing notes. Right. right. So like, you know, sometimes people are really good at writing systematic notes. Most people are not. And if you are trying to write really good notes, you're usually not paying enough attention to what's happening in the interview. Yeah. So it's really difficult. So like what companies who are like really good at assessments do is one, you clearly outline like what are the things we've measured already in mm -hmm. previous assessments and what are the things that we're still left to measure, okay? Uh, then you say which one of the interviewers is focusing on which area, okay? And then instead of doing it on a whiteboard, you actually use a proper interviewing tool that's gonna capture pretty much everything that happened during that interview. Right. That can then later be analyzed, went back to and discussed as mm -hmm. a group instead of saying, well, how did you feel about this candidate, right? Like, let's right. see what your notes say about it. And then you're like, oh, well, forgot to take notes. So I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. should have done this sooner. So having more of a blueprint to figure out exactly what you want to measure right. and where you're going to allocate that particular assessment so exactly. that everyone involved in the assessment knows exactly what they're measuring exactly. and then you can come to like, 
exactly. Okay. Great. Well, so the last question I want to ask you is, can you summarize the bottom line of our podcast today in one sentence? Yeah. Well, I guess the bottom line here is that uh, measuring skills and having a data-driven assessment process is not a single event, right? Like you can't just do it at the top or you can't do it at the end of the process. It's a multi-layer process. And as you go from the top where at the top of the funnel, your assessments would be more uh, standardized, more high level and fast, right? Mm -hmm. Like take shorter period of time. Later down the line, your assessments would become more customizable potentially mm-hmm. take longer time and also be very targeted at the specific skills that you're trying to capture. Great. Thanks for the insights. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.